And that's one of the things about religion that we have to remember when we're talking about that makes it such a, a hot topic issue is because we're talking about law. Who gets to be God? Who gets to be God's deputies? Who is the most high? Who is the divine authority? It's all about the claim to the most high. The only way that somebody can be higher than us is if we give away our power. Because there's nobody, we're all equal. But we're not equal in our knowledge, so ultimately, I think it does have to be a hierarchy, but it has to be a cooperative hierarchy, like a bee colony. We have to, it's about what our value system is, what we care about. Hello, hive mind. Today is July 23rd, 2020. I am your host, Nate Cap, joined by co-host Brandon Martin. If you're already listening to all these podcasts in order, welcome back. If you're new, Welcome to the 14th Cubbyhole Podcast, where important topics are unveiled, discussed, and tested. Our website is cubbyhole.com. That's C-U-B-B-Y-W-H-O-L-E.com. On the last show, we got into and broke down five of the seven hermetic principles, which were mentalism, correspondence, vibration, polarity, and we ended with rhythm which we will pick up right where we left off. And on this show, we will finish explaining the basic understandings of cause and effect, gender, and then the eighth principle, which is the loss principle or the generative principle or just simply the principle of true care. So we will definitely explain what we mean by that. If you haven't already and you want to understand the rest of the content, we highly recommend starting at Podcast 1 especially, or Podcast 9 for natural law, as it needs to be understood in order to get a fuller, big picture type of clarity. But definitely start at 1 to get the better understanding of the rest of the shows. So, we are going to jump right back into the principles and Brandon is going to finish explaining the principle of rhythm. All yours, buddy. Yeah, I mean, once we start to understand these principles, we really move into self-mastery. And it really creates a great poise within our mind. And we can create a better poise within our physical attribute because of this self-mastery. So the the ancient philosophers and alchemists and you know great minds of the past they all kind of understood these principles at a certain level maybe not all of them but a vast majority of them definitely did understand them and was putting them uh, into use in their own life and their work as well. Uh, there's a rhythm to painting, right? There's a rhythm to the way that somebody creates art, and we tend to become unconscious of these little things but when we start to see them it helps us to make use of it and this is kind of what it means by being in the flow or going with the flow you know 
-hmm. so when you're right. going with the flow, you're going with the rhythm of the thing. Um, it doesn't mean that you should go with the flow of something that is negative, though. Like, there can be very negative things that are going on that you don't want to go with the flow with, like slavery and government and groupthink and things like this. But if you're going with the flow of the universe, if you're harmonizing with the flow of uh, that which is and, and that which is being manifested all around us as a universal creation, not as a man-made creation, then that's a really great thing. So uh, we find ourselves with synchronicities, and synchronicity plays into not only correspondence, but also polarity and rhythm, and they all correlate with this. So uh, synchronicity a great example of that is how the thunder came in when we were talking about vibration. That's synchronicity. That's the rhythm of the universe. That's that's a harmony. That's a harmony between our consciousness and what we're talking about with the the collective, the all, the mind. You know, um, which I find very very intriguing because it's a powerful thing that has to do. You could you could relate that back to will, and you could relate that back to mental firmness and. It's almost impossible to believe that uh, we are living in this century and, and people still don't understand how these principles really are. And, and that's why we do what we do here is to try to uh, bring in a song, a dance, a, a educational way of bringing in the rhythm of understanding natural law. And when we're out of rhythm, uh, that's when uh, chaos can ensue. Uh, especially when we're not in rhythm with that which is good or that which is in harmony with natural law. Yeah, that, that creates a lot of uh, unhealthy conditions for us, right? So our body, when it's out of rhythm, when the vibration of our cells are out of rhythm, it's creating disorder within our you know infrastructure of, of our being. So... You know, we want to be in rhythm. We want to get our cells in harmony so we're not in disease. And this works the same way on the metaphysical level. We want to be in rhythm on that level also, not just the physical. So I just wanted to add in that this definitely directly associates to the health of a being. And we have the power to heal ourselves by harmonizing and getting into into a better rhythm, a healthy rhythm, you know. Uh, I mean, there is a reason why we call it the universe, because it is about the one song. But it's also, you could just add the Y and the O in front of the U in uni, and you could have U, because it's correlated uh, and corresponded to you, because you are a microcosmic universe to the macrocosmic universe. Yeah, and when you think of rhythm... In the movie, the or the trilogy, The Matrix, Neo, you know, represents consciousness. So you see the, you know, he wakes up or he's asleep in the beginning of the first Matrix, and then he wakes up and he becomes conscious. You know, so he goes from sleeping to conscious. And then the second movie, he he's in a coma or something, but then he wakes up out of his coma and then he's raising his consciousness again. And then the third movie, the same thing. He is asleep and then wakes up, raises his consciousness. So consciousness rises and falls. And I think that movie does, a, or the trilogy does a really good job of showing that. Absolutely it does. So that is, I mean, we could go on and on about uh, rhythm. That it's, I mean, we can go on and on about all these principles. But um, the next principle is the sixth principle. 
Did you have something else you wanted to yeah, say? Yeah, I got one more thing I can say about rhythm. Um, we should also learn to create our own rhythm. You know, like being in the flow, well, we should create our own flow. My grandmother used to tell me an old quote, and I can't remember who stated it, but but it goes, you know, dead, fli- dead fish float downstream. So be careful about going with the flow with things because you don't want to be that dead fish floating down the stream. Right. You know, because you'll just get washed away. And, and I just think that quote's pretty powerful when it comes to understanding that. So we want to be our own flow. We want to create our rhythm that will give a vast variety of colors to the way that we live, you know, because there's rhythm in colors and we want to color the universe with positivity, with love, with freedom. Yeah, exactly. That's it. You got it. So following the principle of rhythm is the sixth principle, which is the principle of cause and effect. Every cause has its effect. Every effect has and follows its cause. Everything happens according to law, universal or natural law. Chance is but a name for law not recognized. There are many planes of causation, but nothing, ex- nothing escapes the law. So the, this principle embodies the fact that there is a cause for every effect and an effect from every cause. And it explains that everything happens according to the law. Like I said, natural law, universal law, cosmic law, karmic law, that nothing ever merely just happens. That there is no such thing as chance. That while there are various planes of cause and effect, the higher dominating the lower planes, still nothing ever entirely escapes the law. The Hermeticist understands the art and methods of rising above the ordinary plane of cause and effect to a certain degree, and by mentally rising to a higher plane, they become causers instead of effects. The masses of people are carried along obedient to environment, the wills and desires of others stronger than themselves. Heredity, suggestion, and other outward causes moving them about like pawns on the chessboard of life. But the masters rising to the plane above dominate their moods, characters, qualities, and powers, as well as the environment surrounding them, and become movers instead of pawns. They help to play the game of life instead of being played and moved about by others' wills and environment. They use the principle instead of being its tools. The masters obey the causation of the higher planes, but they help to rule on their own plane. In this statement, there is condensed a wealth of hermetic knowledge. Let them read who can. I like that. Let them read who can. But that, that's all um, straight from the Kabbalion. And what, what really needs to be understood is there is no ignoring law without consequence, which is the limit of free will. Free will is operating within boundary conditions of natural law. 
And uh, if we if if free will exceeds this boundary, aka the law, this law, then what follows is consequence, negative consequence. So you're, you know, it goes back to what I was uh, my analogy of uh, what I said in uh, podcast ten, where I was talking about the flow of the river and uh, going into the middle of the river, and then you know if you're going with the flow, you're going the right direction. If you're going against the flow, that was the metaphor for going the wrong direction cause and effect is a perfect way to describe karmic law in the way that from the moment of the cause whether it be good or bad the consequence can happen right in the same moment of the cause or you know it happens over time as there can be a time lag so that's really important to understand is you know the time lag which seems to be more than not so this is part of what I mean when I talk about how the universe intelligently intelligently measures our behaviors and then gives us a consequence as a result of the initiated cause. It's a constant uh, lesson of lessons, as I understand it. And uh, it's also a great reason to practice retrospection, meaning to try and go back and see what you may have manifested or caused in order to better understand right now or the result of what happened. It's about pattern recognition, seeing that if, for example, you keep stealing from someone and wake up every day to find one of your possessions missing or a few of your important things taken from you, you know, wouldn't you connect the dots of, of why that might be? So that's my understanding of cause and effect and and i think that uh it's one of the you know another really important principle to understand equally to the other ones it is definitely what helps us understand the result of our re of what we get in our reality absolutely nate cause and effect can be related back to the mind and the physical reality, right? The cause being the mental plane, or like we talked about, the first principle, which is mentalism, and then the effect being the material plane. So for all things to come into manifestation, it must first start in the mind. So the principle of cause and effect really embodies this understanding. And uh, I think that most people don't have a clue about cause and effect. So I really like what you're talking about with the time lag when it comes to cause and effect, because if we had the effect of our negative input into reality, the karmatic effect that comes back negatively upon us happen instantaneously, it would be so much easier for people to correlate and understand that, hey, since I did this negative thing, there's going to be a negative thing that happens on the me, but not only me, but it happens onto the whole. And especially as it builds up in society. Right. As that multiplies by each individual. And this it is, does happen every once in a while, for sure. Yeah, definitely. It does. There, There is a such thing. There is such thing as instakarma. But a lot of people, even yeah. when it is instakarma, they still don't connect it because they lack correlative thinking. They lack the ability to pattern recognize. Right. And that's what these principles really can really um, uh, 
help an individual to become aware of is how to pattern recognize. Where do you find these principles at? Do you see them in your everyday thing? That's what I was talking about with rhythm. You know, do you see the rhythm in your life? Do you see cause and effect in your life? Do you see the effect and then trace it back to the cause? Do you take it back and understand how that came into being? Um, so the hermeticists understand the art and methods of rising above the ordinary plane of uh, being limited by, you know, the lack of understanding of cause and effect, by by the lack of understanding of how this law plays out in our everyday life. Exactly. It's very important to understand causation at a very deep level if you really want to understand why our condition is the way that it is. Yeah, I think I think one of the biggest issues with people is that they do not understand the causality of what has created the current condition. And since we do not understand the causality, we have no power to affect change. All power to affect change lies in the causal realm. You cannot change anything from the realm of effects. You're trying to treat the symptoms and you know all you're doing is uh you're reopening a wound constantly, simultaneously putting a Band-Aid on that wound, trying to fix it. You know, you're, so you're you're putting a Band-Aid on an open wound, and then you're reopening the wound, and then you are, through whatever means, could be cutting, could be whatever it might be, but you just constantly are doing the same thing over and over, and your solution to stopping that thing from happening, the wound opening, is that you're trying to treat the effects or the symptoms of that causality when really all you have to do is stop what was manifesting the wound opening rather than just continuously putting a band-aid on it and that's how people treat everything within politics that's how people treat everything within their own lives uh, daily they just constantly want to band-aid everything and we see this within the uh, medical industry it's all about treating symptoms it's not about getting to the causality of the of the disorders or the diseases and until we get into the causal plane of existence, then we won't see any change. So this is a really powerful understanding. All power to affect change lies in the causal realm. We need to understand causality or we won't create a change. Right. So if you want, go ahead and uh, let us know about the seventh principle, principle of gender. Yeah, absolutely. The principle of gender is the seventh hermetic principle. And it states, gender is in everything. Everything has its masculine and feminine energies. Gender manifests on all planes of existence. This principle embodies the truth that there is gender manifested in everything and the sacred masculine and feminine principles ever at work within reality. This is true not only in the physical plane, but of the mental and even the spiritual planes. On the physical plane, the principle manifests sex. On the higher planes, it takes forms. It takes higher forms. No creation, physical, mental, or spiritual, is possible without this principle. An understanding of this law will shine light on many subjects that have perplexed the minds of men. Every male thing has an element of female. Also, every female contains an element of the male, kind of like the yin and yang. We caution you that this principle has no reference to the many base the many base degrading lustful theories teaching the practices which are taught under the fancy titles and which are 
a prostitution of the great natural principle of gender. The perversion of any of these principles leads to great suffering and devastating consequences when we live in opposition to their uh, original and fundamental harmony and rhythm and homeostasis. So whenever we're living in in perversion, you know, we're inverting these principles and we're going to create more suffering because of that. So the principle of gender um, is, you know, a very beautiful, a colorful principle. And like the Kybalion stated, you know, it manifests in sex, it manifests in the higher levels of thoughts, it manifests in the higher levels of the mental and the spiritual. And I feel that in our current day, this principle is definitely being obfuscated to a high degree. I mean, we see how crazy it's getting out there when it comes to, you know, sexual identity or gender identity and all these just horrible, horrible ideologies that are coming out because of this, which we are losing our understanding of the polarity, the duality between the male and the female. So if you haven't noticed, these are all relating to each other. Like I stated earlier, the principle of gender is related to the principle of rhythm. There's a rhythm between the the sexes there's a polarity between the sexes and you'll always find a little bit of the masculine within the feminine and the feminine within the masculine and one little green language thing i'll add in here to kind of give an example of this which is pretty synchronistic is with the word matter and with the word matter we would associate that with a masculine you know uh, principle but if we look at the first part of the word which is ma we understand that that's feminine. Ma is feminine because it comes from the Egyptian deity of Ma'at, which is the goddess of justice and natural law and the um, goddess of the scales and weighing in morality versus immorality and things of this sort. So we have Ma-Tir, and Tir or Tur it has to do with terrain, which is a physical attribute. So it's Ma, the sacred feminine, and then the, the the terrain, which is the sacred masculine. So you're finding a little bit of the feminine within the masculine, within that word itself. So I always found that pretty interesting uh, when I looked at that word. I like that. That's a really good breakdown. I can definitely see that and understand why that is. And, you know, like, you look at even at the subatomical level when you're looking at the uh, the electromagnetism you're looking at the l and the mag and the l is the masculine and the mag the ma ag is the feminine and they work together and you know also something i really want to hammer home is like if you really want to understand this principle even deeper or or in a more of a simple way you can see that like when you look at the sun, the sun is light, right? And then you have the whole universe is dark and clear and and uh, it's what's receiving that light. So the the light is the penetrative force and then everything that the light receives is the submissive energy. It is the it is what receives that light. So whatever receives light is feminine. And whatever is giving light is masculine. So 
that's a very, very spiritual thing to understand too, because it's like, you know, if you're like, for instance, right now we're giving light, it's a very masculine action. And the student is the feminine because the student is receiving the information. And so, you know, like here's another example. For instance, if you have a cup, a cup can be masculine or feminine, depending on the action of the cup. So like, for instance, if you fill a cup up, well, the receiving of the liquid is the feminine action. And then the pouring into the cup is the masculine. And then if you, you know, if you put the, the action of putting a cup down on a flat surface, well, the cup becomes masculine and then the surface becomes feminine because the surface is what's receiving the cup. So when you really start to apply that to everything in the whole universe, then it's true what they say that, you know, or, or it's true what is being said that everything has its feminine and masculine components to it. Absolutely. I really like that breakdown of the cup, you know, being a masculine when it meets the when it meets the table, which is feminine, the receiving end of that. I never thought about that. And you're completely right about that. Everything does have this receiving and um, assertive or thrusting, you know, attribute to it. We do this within all of our daily day lives. So here's an example that I can give. You have your cell phone charger and the USB port of that is a feminine. And then the plug-in for that, the cord, is a masculine attribute you know so when you stick the the plug into the port that's why it's called a port also it's a poor tool it's a womb it's something that you are entering in a receptive principle or receptive archetype that there's your masculine and feminine coming together to create balance to create a charge in your phone which is what we're trying to do we're trying to create a charge you know and a charge is also masculine as well why do you think we say charge or you know, have that command of charge to move forward, to thrust, to be assertive, you know. So that's a masculine thing. It's about L, electricity. And the mag is the magnetic, which is the receptive or the the magnetizing or the um, embrace embracing principle. You know, it embraces. It's the nurturing principle. It brings you in. It, it protects you. It cradles you, you know. Exactly. And, you know, one of the things that actually helped me when I was learning this is the, the very sex of man and woman, womb man. And that is, you know, the phallus and the vagina are, um, are perfect examples of how to explain the, the physical action of the, the phallus, the penis and entering the vagina and that being, a direct understanding of how everything else works exactly that way, you know, cause it's about, you know, the vagina receiving the penis and the penis penetrating the vagina. So it's a, you know, it's a very obvious thing, but it's about, you know, really understanding that this is, this is how the whole universe is operating because it has, like I said, it has its feminine and masculine aspects. And um, it's you know, completely ubiquitous all over the universe. And uh, it's really, you know, interesting when you really start to focus in on it and see it all over the place. 
Right. I like to look at the universe as a womb. And it's interesting that that word womb is created to tomb, which is the womb is the the place of birth. And then the tomb is the place of death where we go when we die, right? Where we're put right. when we're dead. And um, so we there's definitely a relation between the womb and the tomb, the Absolutely. commencement and recommencement in a way. And so the universe can be looked at as feminine. Space can be looked at as feminine, you know, the absence of something can be looked at as feminine and the the presence of a thing can be looked at as masculine. So anything that's created within that womb is a masculine attribute or property of the feminine. So it gives a whole new meaning to virgin birth when it comes to uh, Christianity, um, because, you know, if there is no space, there is there's no way that something can come into manifestation. There has to be a place for it to to happen at. So the womb gives us that right. place. It gives us that protection. It gives us the area in which we are capable of being created and creating ourselves. Exactly. And what I love about this principle is it is about understanding the principle of correspondence correlating with the principle of gender because the principle of correspondence will help us you know um unravel the sacred feminine which is the receiving or the invisible or um which is associated with the spiritual and i think that as long as you know we keep becoming self-aware and conscious and open-minded then we start to see the negative uh, uh you know and i i like what you are Wait, did you ever get into the negative? I can't remember if you got into the negative in past shows, but I know that that's something that you touch on a lot is, you know, understanding the truth about the word negative. And um, I think that, you know, in this principle of gender, you definitely have to understand the difference between like evil negative or you know bad negative versus like just negative of the universe you know the absent of or the the uh the invisible force that can't be seen yeah positive and negative we have a false notion of positive and and negative uh we always associate positive with all good and we associate negative with all bad but if we look at positivity or po- the positive polarity correction as a masculine force and the negative polarity as a feminine force, then as soon as we say that all negative is bad, we're already associating the feminine principle as all bad. And this is where we do have a psychological roadway or pathway to understand how we've demonized the feminine gender is not only because we've demonized the feminine energy within ourselves, but we also have manifested that physically in our reality as demonizing the the feminine gender from that demonization of the feminine energy. So if we take a battery, for example, and you have a positive side of the battery and you have a negative side of the battery, if you cut off the negative side of the battery, well, that battery is not going to function properly. It won't be able to hold a charge. It will not be able to, let's say, put it, you can't put it into your, well, if you put it into a flashlight, the light is not going to come on. So symbolically, that light's going to represent something good in 
in reality. So if we want the light to come on, if we want to shine the light in our world, then we have to have a balance, a homeostasis between the positive and negative polarities. So it's very important to distinguish between positive and negative polarities versus good actions and bad action or good actions and evil actions in the world, you know, moral and immoral actions. Because a lot of people have this false notion that that we have to have evil in our world to have good. We have to have the equal amount of evil in the world to have an equal amount of good in the world, which is completely bogus and nonsense, and and right. we need to do away with that new age. Social you know. Darwinism. Right, right, absolutely. So, you know, we need to understand that energy itself is neutral, positive and negative are just seemingly separate things when it comes to polarity, but the energy under that is neutral, which is creating those things. And there's nothing evil about the negative side of uh, of electricity. There's nothing evil about the South Pole of magnetism, you know, just like uh, there's nothing evil or necessarily good about the positive side of the battery and the North Pole of uh, magnetism. So... You know, I just see that way too much in the New Age communities where we find the uh, idea that you should completely reject all negative. You know, all negative needs to be rejected. And really what that says to me is that you're cutting off half of who you are. You're cutting off half of the understanding. You also are cutting off your sacred feminine connection, which we really need. Um, oh, so. Yeah. You know, maybe in a future show, I'll expand on that and really break it down. Maybe in a solo podcast or something, I'll really go into some of the other things that I talk about with the false notions of positive and negative polarities. Oh, for sure. I think we're going to probably, you know, talk about the sacred feminine uh, a lot in this show and sacred masculine, too. But definitely the sacred feminine, because it is the most demonized throughout the whole world. So moving on to the eighth principle, this is the, this is the principle, this is actually known as the generative principle, or what Mark Passio refers to as the lost principle. This principle encapsulates or contains all seven of the hermetic principles. And there's a symbol that represents this principle with all seven and that is the symbol of the seed of life the circle that encompasses all seven over overlapping circles is the eighth circle the encompassing circle so what does a seed do it generates something it creates something so the the circle aka the the shell of the seed acts as the caring protector of what's inside so it's very very symbolic that it looks like a well you know the seed of life actually operates as the real seed in real life i mean to say it it's in real life like it's redundant but anyway the generative principle governs creation it is the causal factor that goes into effect and generates the result of what we say we want. So what is this really saying? It's saying that, you know, what you or I or we are ultimately focusing on is what gets generated into manifestation. So what drives that? 
It's care. True care. And this has nothing to do with caring about positive things only. So just ignore the negative. No, this is about what we individually give our energy to. What we individually care about enough to spend our time and our attention on and manifest into the world. This is this is how how care has to be understood in the sense of this principle. So the eighth principle is also um simplified to care. It's what generates our experience. And if you look around the world, most people generally don't care about what is happening. They act like they do. I mean, unless they're, you know, told what to care about on the TV, which is obviously just mind control. The truth is because most people aren't principled in true care, it is next to impossible to collectively change the energy of consciousness to get what we say we want, which is what? Freedom. Uh, I, would, I would assume most people want freedom. So first, we have to care. Capital care. We have to care enough to take in knowledge like what we're talking about. And, you know, what's the symbolic organ that's associated with care? It's the heart. So we have to start at the heart. Start with care. Care enough to, you know, start the journey, then to develop and understand the knowledge within the mind. So, of course, then it takes courage, you know. It takes courage. It takes guts. You know, it takes, it takes the action on our part to put what we care about into practice. So care and knowledge and then action so put the you know the care first and it's this is what you were saying earlier the to care with the heart and then you know moving into the mind with knowledge and then the action and that's the simple order of the eighth principle care generates what we create here in our experience and i i want to give a little sacred scientific side note in the higher degrees of esoteric Freemasonry, the capital G in the G square symbol, it represents a few different meanings depending on what level of enlightenment or, or you know, and level of, you know, like if you're looking at lodge systems or the degrees of, you know, where, you know, what levels the Freemasons are, are in, you know, whether they're in low degrees or high degrees. We will be, uh, you know, getting deep into the symbol in future shows. But what I just want to point out here is that the capital G stands for the generative principle as well as the genesis of creation. So basically a lot of stuff like what we've been talking about, understanding, you know, like even when we were talking about the principle of gender, you know, understanding the positive and negative something and nothingness you know, talking about the, the right brain associated with the creative side, uh, the right brain being the sacred feminine, you know, in, in Freemasonry, the right brain is associated with the black pillar. And, uh, you know, and then you're, you're getting into, you know, the sacred feminine being the generative principle. But and among other things, I just wanted to point out that the capital G 
is not only the seventh letter in the alphabet, but also as a capital letter, it is a what's called a diacritical combination of the letter C and the number seven, basically a fusing of the C and the seven. So in this case, you can look at capital C as S-E-E, -E, like C, as in, you know, being able to see, and then seven, the, the actual number seven. And then the seven principles contained, they're basically seven principles contained in one letter. So that means, you know, when you look at the capital letter G, it's not just C7, and not just the seventh letter of the alphabet. It's also, if you look at it, it looks like a circle, like the Ouroboros uh, snake eating itself. And that, that, stand, that stands for, or symbolically means, infinite. You know, it keeps going and going, just like the number eight keeps going and going. So you could also say the capital C stands for care, you know. So it's about how we care enough to see and apply the seven, the seven principles. And again, that's just a tiny snippet of knowledge dealing with the letter G in esoteric Freemasonry. So, well, we care enough to put our will behind. That's the true care. There's a uh, cartoon meme floating around out there of a leader at the podium asking the crowd, do we want change? Everyone yells, yeah! And then the leader at the podium says, what are we going to do to make the change? And everyone just stays quiet. And this is what I mean when I, when I say, you know, most people don't care. They don't care to make the change that they wish to see in the world. So that's my take. Absolutely. I really enjoyed how you broke down the letter G when it comes to that. Um, another way just to add into that is that the seven is spelled S even. And the S, if it's even, it makes that infinity sign like the Ouroboros eating itself, wow, which makes yeah. the eight. So it creates that eight when it's mirrored and evened. Um, but it's also about pillars being even. And this is the recommencement of the cycle. So, you know, in the diatonic scale of music you have seven notes until the next octave the higher octave so once you get to the seven it's the end which is the g and then when you get to the eight it becomes the a so if you start at a the first note you end on the seven and then you create the next one which is the a at a higher octave so the eighth principle is technically the the first principle of mentalism also because it's what we're creating through the mental planes you know so it is the principle of mentalism just at a higher octave um, when you look at it that way so the eighth principle the lost principle of care is also the lost principle of mentalism combined with what we're creating through our minds so it is the guiding dynamic of manifestation for consciousness in a way it is that which we are unifying our own consciousness in order to create a change in our world and this is why the dark occult get done what they get done because they do have an 
a aspect of care. They have what I call dark care, what many have termed dark care. So they are unified in their task, and that's why the the universe does give them the results that they want is because they're unified and they also have a trickle-down technique to get other people to do their dirty work for them so they can escape the blunt karmatic repercussions that may fall onto them for actually performing that action. But the lost principle of care is one of the most important things. You know, if we do not care enough about what's going on in our world, then we're not going to create a change because we don't care, you know. It gets into kind of agnostic ideas. Now, I think agnosticism is a good place to start, but you have to move out of that. Uh, That's another one I would call spiritual uh, infancy, you know, their state of consciousness that is a spiritual infant. infant. But um, we definitely need to understand that care or our time and attention, where we're putting our time and attention is very important because that's our spiritual currency. Where we're putting our willpower, where we're putting our mental powers, our emotional energy, and where we're putting our actions and how we're manifesting those things really do matter a lot. I mean, there is a reason why it's called matter, because what happens here does matter. What we do in this plane does matter. It's not just an experience, you know. Yes, maybe at the ultimate level, everything is an illusion quantumly, but you know, we're having an experience here as, as conscious beings, and that does matter to us. The experience is very important, but it's not just an experience. It's it's an experience that we have a say-so in. Let me right. get, get a drink here. Well, it's an experience that we have a say-so in through our willpower and through what we're directing our energy into and what we are choosing to care about and what we're choosing to not care about. So the quality of our experience is determined by... The quality of our care, you can say. You could say those are directly proportional at an aggregate level. Um, The quality of our experience uh, as humans is directly proportional to the quality of our own care and what we're doing with that care. Right. When it comes to the C7, like you're talking about, the eighth principle encompasses all the other principles. So, you know, to see the seven is to have the 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 master key of the temple. You know, that's what the master key is. And if you take right. the seed of life, the sacred geometrical shape of the seed of life, you will see that there's seven circles within a binding circle, a encompassing circle. And that circle could be looked at as the womb of creation, could be looked at as the universe, could be looked at as the mind, uh, the principle of mentalism. But it's also about the macro and microcosmic forms of care um, when we look at that. So uh, next time you're on online, just check out the seed of life and you'll see what I'm talking about. This also macrocosmically relates to the way uh, multi-celled organisms are created. You'll see these cells develop seven, you know, circles, and you know, I think that's pretty amazing that we start to see these sacred geometrical shapes correlated and corresponded cymatically and fractally through our biology, and it really just shows how there's an underlying intelligence to the fabric of nature and the fabric of reality, and. 
what this is really about is that we're taking back our power. We're starting to evolve ourselves. We now have our own free will to such a degree that we have the ability to evolve ourselves and to evolve ourselves, to ascend ourselves uh, into a higher form, into a higher vibration and into higher consciousness and into a better state of freedom, a, a more free state of living. Uh, we have to understand these principles. These things should have been taught to us in school. These principles should have been taught to us by our parents. I mean, I don't see any kids being taught any of these things, you know. They just abdicate their personal responsibility. The parents do. They abdicate their personal responsibility onto these authority figures of schools and uh, these teachers. And we, we never see anything from the mystery traditions being taught to us that actually helps us to make use of our own world. So these are tools that we can use to really enhance our own experience and enhance the experience of others by understanding them clearly and putting them into use daily in our own lives. Very well said, man. And that's really what has to be understood, uh, especially about uh, the eighth principle and the rest of the hermetic principles. It really comes down to care and I think this is a great place to stop, and I've, I'm really excited that we got all these principles in order and stated very well, and uh, it's it's very, very important to understand how these are the principles that govern natural law. With that being said, is there anything else you wanted to state, Brandon? Yeah. Restore care. Exactly. Restore that care, and we are that is what we definitely intend to do on this show um, one heart and mind at a time. So, that is all the time that we have today, guys. Thanks for tuning in and giving this information your time and attention. You can find more of our work here at cubbyhole.com. That's C U B B Y W H O L E.com. There you will find news, updates, videos, and more. We definitely hope you found value here today, and please tune in to the next show where we will go further into natural law, uh, natural law expressions, and the occult. And uh, it is really important to watch these natural law shows in order and to you know not miss any shows so that you will definitely get the the fuller picture and have a better understanding so that being said thanks for being on the show brandon and uh thank you all for listening have a great day